what will the end be like for the saved? We're going to close with seven things. I'm going to give you seven things that are going to happen at the end. I, once I got into this, I thought I've got to teach this later rather than a timeline because of the fact is some of these things we've already gone through. If you want to get more about the rapture, uh, go into our previous lessons. We've done this because we've been doing this for months now. Uh, but this is going to be totally different than we, what we just read, and I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, but my goal is to give an outline or a timeline. I'm going to give you seven significant things that happens to Christians at the end. Revelation begins with seven letters of the seven churches, which we read. Uh, at the beginning of it, we're doing those on seven. There's a significance of seven. Uh, and Jesus writes to the heart of them returning. But at the end of those churches comes the spot that we believe in Revelation 4, 1 and 2, which is the rapture. So the first thing that we read of for the Christians of what's going to the end be like for, for the saved, number one, is the rapture. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Then we, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so we have this promise of this, of the rapture to come. So when you say, oh, what's next for us? What do we have to anticipate? The Bible is very clear. I'm going to pull up my people. I'm going to pull them out. And number two is the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, I can't wait to explain this. Because so many people live in fear of the judgment seat of Christ. And I, I want you to have a righteous fear of understanding of the judgment seat of Christ. Only Christians will be at this. And this is the first thing that happens in, in, when we are transitioned out of heaven. So only Christians. So that judgment that we hear at the end of it, that's different, okay? Then it's, there's a great white throne judgment and there's the judgment seat of Christ. There's two different judgments. The first thing we see when we come into heaven is the throne of God, Revelation 4, 2. And immediately I was in the spirit. Behold, there was a throne set in heaven and sat on the throne. The very first thing we see Jesus and he is our reward, the Bible says that Jesus will be the judge. Revelation 5.22 For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all things unto his Son, all judgment unto his Son. So who will you answer to? You will answer to Jesus. Understand the judgment for the saved uh, is, is different for the lost. And I don't mean different as they're two different things. I mean totally different. And you say, how is that possible? This will not be a judgment of condemnation or punishment of sin. You say, it won't? You mean I won't stand in judgment of sin? It's impossible. Because when he sees me, he only sees the blood of Jesus Christ. That, that's a, a, this reception saying, man, I don't know if I stand before God. I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, wait, you're a child of God. Your sin is as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered no more. So how can it be brought up in heaven? And besides, let's say it was. Let's say it was. Let's say we just ignore these things. And you did stand before God for your sin. Then what? He doesn't let you in? I mean, think about it. It's like, you were a really bad boy. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. So let's explain what it is. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And he and shall not come into condemnation. So there's no way to stand before God into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. The word condemnation there also is the Greek word 
that means judgment. Christians shall never be judged or punished for their sin because Jesus did that on the cross. And you said, how do I know? I've got some words for you. It is finished. When Jesus says it is finished, you don't have to go back and do anything. You don't have to finish it up or finish it at the judgment. It is already done. It will be a judgment of awards. Now let me connect some dots for you guys and say, and then it will be like, oh, God has entrusted us with his business. The example of this is the example of the parables, uh, the parable of the talents. He said, watch therefore for you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So what are we talking about? The coming of Jesus Christ. Okay. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling to a far country. Okay. Who called his own servant and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to another man according to the uh, several of ability. And straightway took his journey. So what happened was they went and invested what they did, and then at the end of it is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So it was a matter of being accountable for what God has given you on this earth. So it's a matter of today, you serve God not out of fear. You don't live for God out of fear. You live for him out of, I love you, and I'm going to take what you've given me. I'm going to be preaching a lot on this in the near future, so just get ready. To whom much is given, much shall be required. And if God has blessed Fellowship Baptist Church... God requires much of Fellowship Baptist Church. That's right. Just keep that in mind as we move forward. So God literally talks about those of the reward of those that invest in what they had. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to which he had done, whether it be good or bad. The word appear is the, uh, is means to declare or show or to uncover. The Bible talks about all their good works will be thrown into the fire and burnt up and the chaff is burnt away and only the gold that remains or the refining of the fire is pulled out. There's a whole lot of teaching of that. Judgment seat in this passage is the same reference of Bema seat. How many of you have ever heard this called the Bema seat of Christ? Okay, the Bema seat is the same Greek word for judgment seat of this. The description is this, when they would have their Olympic games or their Greek games and things like that where they would have the tears. It is a reward system of those that were being awarded during that time. And what are we awarded with? Crowns. Okay, one. Crowns. We're awarded with crowns. And it's, but the loser of the competition was not punished. But the winners were decorated or the winners were given the rewards of that what's going on. We shall re- re- uh, receive crowns. That's why in verse 4, and you say when we're called up, when we stand before the throne of God, what's the next thing that happens? And the Bible says in Revelation 4, 4, and they had crowns on their, uh, and, uh, on their heads, crowns of gold. We were awarded crowns of gold. Who is that? Well, the Bible talks about uh, crowns all through the Bible, about us receiving it. Actually, in Matthew 6, uh, 6, 19 through 20, it says, Lay not for yourself treasure upon the earth, where moth and dust uh, doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But what do we do? But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's what we do. Treasures in heaven. That's the rewards in heaven that we come. So uh, the Bible talks about different ones in that. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 8, henceforth there is laid up for a crown of righteousness, the rewards. So that everything lines up when you start putting the pieces together. We're standing before the throne. We're given crowns. 
What do we do or what do the elders do before the crown, before Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 4? They cast their crowns before that. Do you know why? We never did it for us. All for the glory and the honor and the power forever and ever and ever. Amen. Glory for God. And so we have five crowns that are listed in the Bible of soul winning and faithfulness and loving the appearing of Jesus Christ. And after receiving the crowns, we cast our crowns before the feet of Jesus in Revelation 4.10. And the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Let me put it in another little commercial right here, just because I have to. People say, that's not the rapture, and that's not the church. My question is, if we receive crowns in heaven, keep reading through Revelation. Where are they? Just keep reading. It never happens. So the Bible preached all the time that it's going to happen. It's right there. You say, where is it in Revelation? We're reading it right now. So what happened? Come up hither, stand before the throne, awarded the crowns. They stand before, they have the crowns, they cast them before God, they worship the king. That's heaven. That's what we have. We see Revelation 4 through 5, worship and praise. So here's the third thing that happens. So we looked at the rapture, the judgment, and then the marriage supper of the Lamb. This gets confusing, but it's cool. The marriage, the bride of Christ, is a visual, again, because God tells us we're the children of God, and then in another sense, we're the bride of Christ. He's gone to prepare a place for you. That's what the husband would go do. He comes back for his bride. He receives us into uh, of himself. We are loved by God. Even the Bible describes this. Ephesians 5.25, And the husband love your wife even as Christ so loved the church and he gave himself for it. It's a description. It's a visual of that. There's a wedding in heaven. Oh, by the way, let me just give you this. Revelation 19 verse 7, And let us be glad and rejoice. Give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. You say, why are you saying that's a big deal? Because the second coming hasn't happened yet. Which means that we're in heaven, which means that we're up there before the, during the tribulation period. If, if that's not true and God comes at the end of the tribulation period to receive the church, that means we completely miss being the, the wedding that God has promised for the church at the, uh, that he's promised at the end. And he says, and his wife had made herself ready. And then there's a celebration. We call that the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible says in verse 9, and, and, and he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which call the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These things are true sayings of God. It's fellowship. It's rejoicing. We know this. We, you can know this by a Jewish wedding. They, they partied hard after a wedding. They went on and on and on for those types of things that went on. It's a celebration. It's unity. It's fellowship with God in heaven. Then we have, number four, the fourth thing that we're part of is the return of Christ. This happens at the end of the seven years. And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and him that sat upon it was called Faithful and True. We just read that, but from the perspective of the lost. And righteousness doth he judge and make war. Who does he bring with him? Verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. People have said, well, that's an, that's an army of angels. Read the Bible and find out the people that are clothed in the righteousness and made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ are the saints of God, not the angels. That's why they worship God that was made clean, that was made righteousness. We're clothed in the righteousness of God. So that is not the description of angels whatsoever. It's the description of the saints of God. 
Number five event that happens is the millennial reign. Now, this gets confusing for a lot of people. The millennial reign happens at the end of the seven years of tribulation. We come back to on the earth. We are with the army of God. And from that point on, we have a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Here's a few things that's going to happen. You say, what is that like? Satan's gone. He is bound for the thousand years. We read that in uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 2, and it says Satan is bound. Uh, Christ will be king on the earth for a thousand-year period. You say, why is that a big deal? Because the prophecy that we read, and they were looking for the king of kings. They, they mocked Jesus on the cross with a crown of thorns and saying, oh, you're the king of the Jews. Jesus said, I am the king of the Jews. Thousand years, Jesus is reigning as king of the Jews. We are reigning with him during that time. That's why in Isaiah 9, 7, when it says, in the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom. And you said that never happened. There are things to come of the fulfillment of prophecy that happened during this time. And we could get really deep into the millennial reign. Actually, we could do a whole series on some of these things, and maybe we should go back and do that. But we see that. Here's the other thing that happens during the millennial, these thousand years that we go through. Uh, We shall reign with Christ during the millennial. It says, Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On the second death have no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, this is something that boggles my mind. What will that look like? What role will we play? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It just, it just fascinates me. But don't forget, he's the king and I'm his child. Don't forget the relationship of what God established in the Testament when he died for the church. You are the children of God. I am the child of the king. And then the kingdom of God, that makes sense when we look at this. We'll be in glorified bodies having received uh, after rapture. Uh, When we go back through this and we get deeper into this, I'm going to explain that even more, what that means. A lot of this will be compared to what was like in the Garden of Eden. And if you read during the millennial uh, of that, um, the whole earth has changed. The Bible talks about with the lion and the lamb. I mean, it's the earth, but things are different. And our minds can go wild trying to think of what this earth would be like without the sin and without, you know, all these different things. At the end of the thousand years, and this is a mystery of things that happen, Satan is loosed again for, the Bible says, for a short season. People speculate why that is. During that time, there will be children being born, and the only thing that makes sense during that time is they are now tested to see if they will choose God or choose sin during that time. It's another choice. It says that in Revelation 20, verse 10. Number six, we witness the great white throne judgment. You say, we're not going to be at the great white throne judgment. Not in judgment. Not in judgment. Guys, we will not be at the great white throne in judgment. But from the beginning of Revelation to the end, we're never not with Jesus you guys getting the picture of what I'm saying here? I don't know if you are. And I saw, from John's perspective, from the saints' perspective, the perspective, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no, found no place for him. Verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of light was cast into the lake of fire. And it's been speculated, will we see our loved ones 
stand before God and cast into the lake of fire. I wondered that. I wondered if we could handle that. I wondered, but there's a bunch of reasons that point to because we are with Jesus and, and we're seeing it from the perspective of John and We've already seen in heaven in the marriage supper and we were with him the second coming and we reigned with him a thousand years. I'm saying there's never a time that we're not. But there's another thing that's weird about this because there's a verse that I use at every single funeral I preach. And it is the hope that we have after this. Not, not after all the tribulation and all that other stuff is already gone. We've already gone through millennial reign. We've already gone through all the blessings and things, but there's another verse that is said. It's this, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Why are we weeping? Why are we? And I know it's symbolic of the fact that it represents the rest of it. There will be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall be there any more pain. But why here? Because that would make more sense when we enter into heaven. That would make more sense at the beginning of the millennial reign. That would make more sense marriage supper of the Lamb. But it makes perfect sense if we are witnessing the hardest thing we've ever witnessed in our life. When God says, and by the way, I'm going to wipe away the tears from their eyes... And a lot of scholars believe when the Bible says there will be no more sorrow, no more crying, and I don't understand this, but there would be something to where we're able to live out the heaven forever without this being in our mind. If you've ever gone through something tragic, it's hard to be happy afterwards. Years later of people losing their children, that's still... And so there's something that God wipes it away. God cleanses their mind or something to be able to enjoy the joys of heaven which brings us to number seven that is eternity with God we will do this and I, I've said this a thousand times during this series that there's a bunch of things that we need to go back heaven is not what you think heaven is not what you think can I read it and explain it how many of us think of heaven of the fact that there is a place that we fly to and we live up in the clouds. That's what we think of heaven. Let me read it. This is this we're talking about. God makes a new heaven and a new earth at the end. We're talking about the end. I'm not talking about just you die and you go to heaven and we pour out the wrath of God from heaven. I, I know that. And the Bible says in Revelation 21 verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Listen to what he's saying. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no more sea. And John saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is the new heaven, but it is described as a new heaven and a new earth. It's almost like God wipes the whole system out and reboots it, and we get to experience. And I promise you at that moment, I'm just joking with this, if there's any woman that I meet that's named Eve, we're, we're not hanging out with that girl at all. I'm like, my name is Eve. No! <laughs> I, I know that there's no more. I'm just joking. But uh, it just starts over at that time. But it's, it's not in the air. You know what I'm saying? We have like these, this floating around in clouds type thing and all this other stuff that we have. But the description of we have is New Jerusalem. And it says in verse 21, and the, and the, the 12 gates were the 12 pearls and every several gate had, uh, was one of the pearls. And the streets of the city were pure gold and transparent as glass. 
says in verse 23, And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it for the glory of God, to lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. We can't even imagine. And, and, all, and the Bible goes on, and this is what I was saying at the beginning of this. There are all this that happens at the end of Revelation that if you read it right now, you're probably thinking, wow, I don't think we've ever gone through this. Because we automatically say this, and then we all go to heaven. And we're like, woohoo, that's good enough for me. I mean, that's great news. But there's so much more richness to it. So I think we need to do some teaching on heaven and the things that comes. So the Bible describes what this is. And, and, and from there, we're asking, will we know our spouse? Will we remember what happened on earth? Will we, all these different things. I'd like to explain all that stuff. But this is what I do know for sure. The Bible says very clearly, forever and ever. No heaven, or, or no, no, the old heaven, it's new earth, new Jerusalem. Everything is redone. No more pain, no more suffering, all those things.